Hello, and welcome to Meaning, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and the work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. The Plymouth Church community works collectively to welcome recent immigrants to Minnesota through the work of the Immigrant Welcoming Working Group. But individuals in our community are also at work. Plymouth member Tony Azad teaches English to adults from around the world, from Guatemala to Somalia to Ukraine to Afghanistan. We talked about her path to the work and the significance of providing life tools to this population. So I'm curious, I don't really know your your story about how you came to find Plymouth. Hmm. Yeah, so I grew up in a much more evangelical churches, some denominations that nobody here has ever even heard of. The Assemblies of God Church when I was quite young, and then more independent churches that were more loosely like Baptist affiliated or something by the time that I was older. And in those churches, I mean, you get a solid education. I was drilled on the Bible as a kid, and so that stuff is still all in my head somewhere, you know. But the other big message in those churches is believe this or go to hell. Yeah. And I was like, what kind of God is that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a scary God that mm-hmm. I wouldn't really want a lot to do with. And it doesn't make sense to me yeah. that that's what reality is. And so at some point I really took a step back and was like, mm, this is not this is not what I'm going to spend my life being devoted to it can't be true when i grew up in new hope which is like kind of on the border of like golden valley and we had like 20 percent of the kids in my school were jewish Hmm. i was like oh and they're all going to hell i guess you know because not believers in jesus right so that was a big thing in my teens right in high school i was like that just does not make sense these are good people these are my friends And so by the time that I was out of my house, you know, maybe partway through college, maybe more of a younger adult, I was like, I'm not going to a church like that anymore. But I missed it. And I ended up like going to the Basilica and sitting in there, not necessarily like believing anything or thinking like, oh, this is like a sermon for me, but just a place to sit and kind of reflect. And eventually I made my way here. I was like, oh, The first time I came here, I was like, I can have this kind of calm, beautiful place to sit. That felt good to me, but I'm not hearing a sermon that's telling me, you know, everyone's going to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just much more openness. And it's, you know, it's been an evolving thing for me to figure out how to be open to like many different faiths, many different paths to God, but still you can't pick all of them for yourself. The Christian path makes sense for me, but as long as it's in a more open context. And so as you were kind of making your way from your teenage years into young adulthood, thinking about a career, sometimes there's a connection between spirituality and, you know, who you want to be in the world and how that connects to profession. Like, Was that a thing for you? How did you come to do what you have done in the world? Well, my initial degree is in economics and math and statistics. Okay. So 
I started off doing data analysis for a couple different corporations, and I was not particularly fulfilled, which is never I, – I, I think every job is important, Yeah. right, in different ways. And not everybody has to feel like they have, say, spiritual meaning out of their career that helps them pay their mortgage. Absolutely. I, I, don't, I would never want to imply that, but for me – it was really hard going to work and doing work that I didn't feel it was academically interesting, I guess, and it paid the bills. But mm-hmm. I just, I was like, this is not working for me. And I started volunteering in the evenings teaching ESL, and I loved it. And what was it that drew you to volunteer to do that? I needed something in my day that felt meaningful to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> After spending all day long at my desk, earning money for someone else. You know, it's like <laughs> I need to do something that that I just feel like I'm using part of my life to share with others and to do something that can more immediately and tangibly help people. It was a little bit of a random decision. I did not have experience in it. Yeah. And but I started, you know, work for one of the local literacy organizations and I met all these different students from all different backgrounds and I loved it. And so that's really when I thought, hmm, I, I maybe need to switch my job. And I went back to school. So by that point, I already owned a house. I was kind of on the verge of getting married. I went back to school and I got my K through 12 ESL license. Yeah. Man, that's so cool that you did that. Can you remember any of the any of those early students that you worked with? Well, I worked with a lot of Somali students at that point in time because of the location where I was. And I also started volunteering in some citizenship classes and doing some work at a community center that just sort of did more general supportive things, particularly in the Somali community. So a lot of my students were women that maybe hadn't even gone to school. And thinking about like what that's like to live in the U.S. without not just formal education in the U.S., but no education anywhere. Because if you've grown up in a refugee camp, that's not necessarily what you're going to get. And I think that was something that I really thought hard about because our life here is rather complicated, right? You need forms for everything. And even to go to the doctor or help your child at school or get a driver's license, or it's all very bureaucratic. Yeah, so you started working with these people and understanding their stories. Mm-hmm. Was it just seeing the need and seeing that you could do something to help yes, these people? Yes, I think that's exactly what it was. I was kind of moving away from this much more evangelical kind of background where it's like the only thing you need to do is really save people. And at some point, it, it, there was never really any talk, I don't think, in my churches growing up about the benefit or even the need of doing anything to benefit people's life on earth here. And at some point, my thinking around that shifted. And a lot of that was through reading books from the words of Mother Teresa. She was very influential, I think, for me back at that time when I'm thinking about that. And also St. Teresa of, I don't know, Avila, right? She has the prayer of her poem, I guess she wrote, that Christ has no body on earth, right? But ours, Christ has no feet or no hands to do the work 
but ours. I'm not quoting that correctly, but, you know, very similar. And that was a new way of thinking for me back right around that time, too, that this is this is loving our neighbor, right? This is being the hands and feet of yeah. Christ to others. Yeah. And that's that's significant and takes many forms. But at the point in time that I decided to go back to school and got my teaching license, you know, that was the skill I had. I worked at the elementary school level for some years, and then my first child was born, and I decided to stay home. And so I stopped working, you know, as a full-time job for pay, but I have always volunteered in adult programs since then. And now that they're all a little bit older than this past year, I thought, okay, I am ready to be back into work and have my own classroom and not simply be, you know, volunteering in these programs. And I'm thankful every day that that's what I get to go and do as my job is be with these students and hear their stories. And, you know, it gives me a picture of what our world is like a little bit more than if I didn't if I didn't know them, you know, I have the privilege of interacting with people from all over the place. What's a sampling of, of the people that you... Oh, my you... students are from... I have several from West Africa, from countries like Togo or Liberia, also East African countries, Somalia, Ethiopia, Latin America, from Ecuador and Guatemala, Mexico. They're from all over. Yeah. Afghanistan, Ukraine. What is that room like? It's amazing. They befriend each other. They connect with each other, despite the language barriers, despite the differences that they may have had in their lives. I mean, they don't all have the same experiences, but there are things they still kind of bond over. And I see them trying to exchange phone numbers. And I think, wow, this is so cool to be part of this very international, small community. And my students are, have very, very low levels of English, and so sometimes the best we can do is talk about, like, what did you eat? So there are things like that that I've figured out are important for me and I think for them to include as a way to build community, to spend time just kind of talking in conversation rather than jumping right into, well, let's learn pronouns or, you know, some kind of grammar piece. Yeah. I can imagine the levels of stress that... that some of these folks might be under coming to a new place without without the skills of the language trying to integrate and make a living and and make sure that they're safe do those stresses come through in in these class settings yes one way i see it is sometimes attendance is very difficult for students mm -hmm. And I had one woman who wasn't coming regularly, and I had talked to her about that. And she explained to me that many more of her family from Ukraine had recently arrived, and there were now 10 people in her apartment. Mm. But I think the other thing is, with so many people haven't had a chance to go to school, and the amount of patience that is required to to teach and work with somebody, you know, from a setting like that is just, it's enormous because mm. our adult brains don't learn the way that yeah. children do. And 
that is because of the situations that they have lived through, I guess. Yeah. So it's not, it's the stress today, but it's the stress in the past too. Right. Yeah. And they, people bring all of that. Yeah. To the classroom. They are always balancing. Yeah. Well, teacher, I can't come to school. I have to work. Mm-hmm. Or I have my appointment at the food shelf today. Mm-hmm. It, that's a real example. So we can't take anything for granted. No, no. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that must just take a lot of a lot of patience on your part to and creativity. I would imagine to to find ways to keep keep momentum going for people who aren't who are in these disparate places with how they are able to learn. Yes, but I am amazed at their kind of tenacity and they show up every day, Mm. you know, and I don't know, like if I were trying to learn something new and it was taking me multiple years, would I keep showing up every day? I don't know, but I think there's an amazing strength to people that have endured you know, many of the terrible things, whether it's wars and refugee camps or extreme poverty and violence that so many of the students have, have endured, they are strong. I think in this community, we talk a lot about fighting for the people on the margins and thinking of the example of Jesus doing that, right? Like there was no population that should stay untouched or pushed aside. And this is just one example of a population that easily could be pushed aside. And, and, and some people do that. You know, I hear some of them say, oh, someone told me, you don't speak English well enough. I can't talk to you. I can't understand you. That's pushing them aside, right? Rather than saying, can you please repeat that, right? There's a nicer way. And, and they're hurt by that, and I hear them say that. And I think in this church, we have really set out to, to not do that to people, whether it's immigrants or other marginalized communities. I think this is a community that already knows that's not, that's not the example of Jesus, to push people to the side. I'm thankful for the support that this church has also given to immigrant communities. I was able to help out with the Afghani family when our church, you know, helped a family with that and make some connections of other people, you know, within this community that are specifically working, you know, for on behalf of immigrants. So we just keep doing it, right? That's 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 maybe the message to the Plymouth community is we just keep doing it. We just keep putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, we can't do it all, but you do what you can. I, and I think people here know, like, we, we are those hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Tony called her initial visit to volunteer as an ESL teacher a bit of a random decision that turned into her life path. What random decisions turned into more in your life? And to Tony's final point about life at Plymouth, what does doing the work look like in your life? As Tony said, we can't do it all, but have you found your part? 
thanks to Tony Azad for sharing your experiences. And as always, thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme and Max Brunel for additional music. Your thoughts and feedback are always welcome. Email us anytime at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a project of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. <laughs>